Welcome to Miami. Bienvenidos a Miami. You're now listening to MIA Radio. Who put this thing together? DJ Cass. DJ Zayas. That's who. Let me holler at my real Miami motherfuckers. Wait, 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 wait. This that Zaya Cash shit, though. Yeah. No mejor in Miami, bro. You already know. They're going to yeah. shut down the city with this shit right here. Zaya Cash, best in the city, bruh. Bruh. But it's going to be a podcast? Am I everything? I'm still lost. I'm me too. I don't know Yo, what's going on. Yo, I still want to listen to it, though. It's Zaya Cash, bro. Oh, shit. I'm down. 305 Miami shit. All right. We're here. MIA Radio. We are back. <laughs> Special episode today. Episode 86. Ooh, that's 86. a good number. 86. Yeah, getting 86, right? And we brought yeah, in... What's 86 mean again? Isn't it to be canceled. 86. Oh, that's right, that's right. I would hear that in Vegas 86, all the time. Yeah. I got 86, You bro. think I'm safe enough? Would I have, right now, I'm in the <laughs> studio with, with gardening gloves, sunglasses, a mask, and I'm wearing a condom. There's, you just can't the, see it. Right. <laughs> I was waiting for that. <laughs> well, it's obvious we got a comedian in the building. A today. real comedian. I'm gonna take it off for you guys, though. I'm gonna take it off for Just you. Just for us. We did some temperature checks, but, we but anally. We did only. It wasn't in the. We didn't put the thermometer in the mouth. We all bent over. Um, CDC Fa- guy. Like Polly. Paul, Polly was, was was in the back. He was nice. He warmed it up. He was like, <laughs> you know, he breathed on it a little bit. Oh man. This is, this is, I didn't mind. This is the funniest start to the podcast yeah, for sure. This is a good. This is got, a good intro. We got Aaron the speaker, or or uh, how, how do we properly? No, Aaron the speaker. Aaron fine. the speaker. Yeah. You well, know why I did that? Why? Because when people see me, you know, they go like, "You're you're Aaron the speaker, right?" And they have no idea what I speak about or what I do. They don't right. know I'm a comedian or what. But they go, "You're the speaker." I go, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. something around speaking. Yeah. You got it right. That's pretty you close." You speak for a living, basically. I speak for a living. But uh, we wanted to have you on the podcast. I mean, especially me, because I've always been, I mean, well, both of us always seen parallels with DJing and comedy. Okay. And there's a lot of similarities and a lot of little things that that I guess we can relate to. Yeah, we've had, we had there's there's a lot of, it, like, so I, I, dated, I dated a makeup artist, and I would kind of relate to her sometimes in certain things, more of, like, the industry, but in the actual performance side, I think that, like, we align a like lot. Like the come up and like, you know, the grind and the openers and the headliners and the audience and all that stuff. And also just Miami comedy in general. Like, I know we're curious, like, because it's not really a known market for yeah. comedy at all, maybe. No. So, uh, yeah. In fact, Joe Rogan and Anthony Jeselnik <laughs> on a podcast said Miami is trash. The worst. The worst. Damn. Don't go there. I was like, thanks, guys. You're like, <laughs> that, awesome. That really... That really makes it easy to book shows. So, how do you get into comedy in Miami? Like how did this start? Yeah, how do you? First of all, first of all, no, let's go, let's get yeah, to yeah. Okay. How did? How like? How are you? Like, all right, I'm gonna take this seriously, and uh-huh. I'm gonna like, I mean, not even make money because I know that like, I'm I'm trying to find like where we had our time when we we're like, yo, all right, I'm gonna take this serious, and I mean, we were doing gigs for free. Like, what's like the well, you turn the switch, I guess. Well, you get paid now. <laughs> I mean, I'm saying like you get paid. I mean, sometimes we used to. We used to. We used to. Yeah, yeah. We used to. Well, you used to be a teacher too, right? I was Before. a professor. Yeah, I was a professor. So how do you make that jump um, to comedy? I played college basketball, and, and for, first of all, I'd say that DJing is nothing like stand-up comedy. Okay, we'll 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 see in the end. And, but which question you want me to answer? The first one. Yeah. How did you get it? How I got in? I got in was I, I played college basketball. After I finished playing college basketball, I was pretty much like, I'm going to kill myself. You know, like I, I have nothing 
what am I going to do? Like my whole life, I have been like bred like a horse, you know, no. to run in a race. And you're a tall motherfucker. Tall. Six, six. You know, I was able to jump. I was dunking. You know, I played baseball and then I changed baseball my 10th grade year in the summer to basketball. I injured my elbow fooling around and basketball just came, came natural to me. I was kind of like, you know, just it worked being six, six. I was one of the tallest guys on the team. I made right. varsity. They were like, train this kid. He's the biggest one here. Um, cause you got to remember if you're over six foot five, you're in the 9% of the population's height. So only 9% of the population is my height or taller. So you got to play basketball. So you got to play basketball. Given. Basically. Right. So after I stopped playing basketball, I, uh, basically lived on my friend's couches, uh, dropped out of college, you know, um, did nothing with my life. And then my dad brought me to an army recruiter's office. He was like, this is your life now. And I was like, no, it's not. So then I went back to school. I started to figure out and I was like, what's something that is like sports, but not sports. And I was like, okay, like theater is kind of like it because you're on stage, people are applauding you, you know, the same way that I got all the accolations and respect as an athlete, just by going to the court. Like I did enjoy, you know, dunking in a game and the crowd goes <laughs> right. crazy. Like right. it's hard to get that high back. Right. Um, so I was like, what can I do? I had an ex-girlfriend at the time who wanted to become an actress. And she was like, why don't you sign up for stand-up comedy classes? And a friend of mine who I played college basketball with ended up moving back to New York, went to Brooklyn Film College and started doing stand-up with Andrew Schultz. Mm -hmm. um, Andrew mm -hmm. Schultz and the whole Andrew Schultz crew up there, they were all cool back then doing stand-up comedy. And I was like, you know, I'm funny. I've always been like a class clown. And where was this? Where was I? Yeah, yeah. I was in Boca Raton. So okay. I was living with my mom in Boca Raton. I was going to FAU. Okay. I was going to Palm Beach State, and then I transferred to FAU. And where were you? You were playing ball? And I was playing ball for Broward College and Caldwell University. Okay. And then when I came back, I was, you know, I dropped out. I couch surfed. I lived in D.C. for a little bit. A friend of mine played for George Washington University. Um, but I took a stand-up comedy class, like the hard rock. Like, you know, like stand-up comedy 101. Right. And I took it... Um, with this comedian named Will. I went to the whole class. I had a performance and I was like, all right, wasn't that bad. So I took stand-up comedy 201. Like I just like paid the extra $250 again. And I took the class and I was like, cool. But this was like in 2010, 2009, and social media wasn't as like big. Right. So to find a show, it's yeah. different. Like when you DJ, you DJ at home. When you DJ, you go to a venue and DJ. When you do open mics or stand-up comedy, there's only so many open mics. Yeah. are available to you in the city and that's why stand-up comedy sucks in miami because there's just not a lot of places to go practice because right. you can't, can't do stand-up comedy at home you could dj at home yeah but you can't do stand-up comedy at home you can right. write jokes but you don't know if those jokes work until you say them out loud right right so i took those classes and then i had a really bad set where i, I made jokes about lady gaga wearing a meat suit <laughs> um and i made like jokes about that it didn't go over well in my mind Mm -hmm. My brother was there. He filmed it. He was like, it wasn't that bad. But to me, I was like, that was the worst feeling I've ever had in my life. Like saying jokes and just hearing silence, you know, and the lights are on you and you have all this pressure and it's just you, a microphone, and that's it. All right. That's you the know? only thing I'll give to comedy that's definitely not like DJing because at the end of the day, it's like it's literally you only yeah. putting yourself out there. Like you can mess up DJing, but it's like not your music. I mean, and it's like, like you're in a party to be club. Yeah, but you're like so vulnerable. At like it's like you're selling a joke that you came up with, and like no one's laughing. Yeah, like when you DJ, you're D you could DJ a hot song, 
Like, you know, like, right. if you play, like, dun, 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 at the right moment, <laughs> right. everyone will just be like, you know, you they know put their arms around each other. Dun, 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 but is there, I mean, even like, if the music cuts off, but I'm saying. Yeah, the music cuts off, you're fucked. Right. But it's still, because, like, you're in a venue, you're in, like, everyone's partying, so it's like, it'll come right back and you're good. Like, right. A joke is, like, you feel, like, that shit of, like, oh, my God. And you only have, like, five minutes. Yeah. So it's not like you have time to make it back up. And five minutes feels like forever yeah. when you're doing. Because music off is like a tech technical thing. Yeah, we'll put it right back on. Right. But you, your joke doesn't land. You could just cry. Like, you're just there, and you're just like, uh. And what happens? A lot of comments, comics will start like bashing the audience, and I'm like, oh yeah, that's how you win people over. Tell them they're a piece of shit. You right. know, that's really gonna make people be on your side. Um, but I, you know, I, I I went through that whole thing, and I didn't like it. I didn't like bombing. I didn't like that feeling of like being a loser on stage i didn't have like the thick skin to handle it so my girlfriend at the time was like why don't you become the arena host for florida atlantic university they had a basketball team and a basketball gym that held five thousand people and there was a guy on the court who was like hey guys you know Poyo tropical helmet shuffles coming up and we have you know kaz here and kaz uh which helmet do you think the the Poyo tropical is under right right but the gentleman went away on a spring break trip and I had been hounding the school. Like yeah. I had been emailing them every two weeks. Like, yo, I want the job. I want the position. I want the position. They were like, no, 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 no. And finally they were like, he went out of town. Do you want it? So I came in, I did it. And they were like, have you ever done it before? I was like, yeah, all the time. Like every, <laughs> every, every weekend I host basketball games. What do you think? And, um, I did the game. They said it was good. They said it was, I was funny, but the good part was unlike stand up comedy, entertainment hosting, you don't have to be funny. Right. If you're funny, it's a plus. Yeah. You don't have to be funny though. Stand-up comedy, you have to be funny. Like every 20 seconds or 30 seconds there has to be a yeah, joke. It doesn't matter if you can stay on your toes if it's not funny. Right. It's if not it's not funny. funny, it's not funny. So I did entertainment hosting for like 5 years and I went from doing just shitty basketball games at FAU to being the arena host for the NHL Florida Panthers. So I was, you know, I was working with Fox on Sports. I was, you know, working with ESPN, West Palm. I was like, you know, I was in front of 22,000 people at the Panthers games on a nightly basis for 42 games. And then I realized that hosting had a ceiling. Like, where was I going to go from there? Yeah. TV, American Idol. Like, where do you see hosts? You know? Yeah. You can have a host for a party, but even now the MC for parties is pretty much done. The DJ's expected to do that the now. Because yeah, right. the DJ's the rock star. Where right. before it used to be the MC and a DJ. It used to be separate. Right. Um, so I was like, I'm gonna get back into stand up comedy. And my friend, he ended up getting a job with Happy Madison, so working for Adam Sandler. I remember sitting back in my house, you know, and I was like, I see that the train of opportunity, like going like they're they're blowing the horn they're like yeah. all aboard and I'm like you know Argh. and so I jumped into doing stand up comedy cuz I said if I don't do it now you know when am I going to try right but you um, stopped hosting or you were still No I was still hosting the, the check I had graduated from FAU with my masters and they were they as I graduated I was going to move to New York and then Miami Dade called me on like a Saturday morning and I never even applied for the job. And they were like, we heard about you, you know, um, with the Panthers. We heard about you uh, hosting events for the university. We know you're the arena host for the thing. We know that you were a teacher because I was a graduate teaching assistant, teaching college classes for free tuition at Miami Day to get my master, uh, mm. FAU to get my master's. So they called me and they were like, all right, we are offering you a full-time job as a professor. 
And I was like, shit, I don't want this job. <laughs> like, I, I want to do it. I want to be a comic. Like, right. I want to do comedy. I don't want to, like, become a professor. It's not where my, my mind was. And then they offered me a job. It was like $50,000 plus benefits and all that stuff. And, you know, I wasn't making any money. Secure. Yeah, secure. So I call my dad and he gives me some, like, shitty Jewish euphemism. He's like, <laughs> you take the bird in the hand, not the bird in the bush. I was like, I don't even have a bird. He's <laughs> like, no, you take the job, you dumbass. <laughs> and so I took the job. And then four days later, the Panthers called me and they were like, you're the arena host now. Like, we want we want you to be the arena host because I had auditioned, but I hadn't heard anything back. So then I was teaching full time at Miami-Dade and FAU. And then I was also the arena host for the Florida Panthers at the same time. And I was also an MC for Rock With You Entertainment doing like bar mitzvahs right. as well. And then like small parties and DJ stuff like on the side whenever a DJ friend was like, yo, will you MC this party with me? Yeah. So I was doing all this at the same time, but I wasn't doing stand-up comedy. But I had always been writing jokes and writing movie scripts with my friend. And so I would write jokes and he would use them on stage for himself. And I would help tweak his jokes. And he wrote most of his material. But there's something in stand-up comedy called like punching something up. Where like you'll tell me a joke and then I'll go, well, I think this is a good tag. Like you could add this as a line. Yeah. And then he would try and it would work. And I went, okay, so if my tags are working for him, then my joke should work for me. Yeah. So then I went back to doing stand-up comedy on my 30th birthday, around my 30th birthday, and I started to do comedy like full-time. I was going like five nights a week. I'd made a decision. And then that's when I learned how shitty the Miami comedy scene was. Yeah, five nights a week, where are you going in Miami? So the only person who does it is you know Miami Comedy with Mary, Manny Garavito, and he does five shows or four shows a week he did red bar yeah and brickle sweet carolines across the street same owners uh he had a wednesday show used to be at uh right there by blue martini what was that place called blue martini below it in on Kendall? the first floor no, oh um in, in brickle um, it was the mexican spot no it had a stage it had the violins uh, on the wall, it was right there in that same plaza. I forgot what Never it's called. Never heard of a comedy show there. Yeah, me neither. On Wednesdays, I had a comedy show. It was actually <laughs> like really Tucandela? good room. No. Or the Italian spot? I don't Tosca remember. Toscana, Mexicana? They Tos closed. Yeah. They closed. So then Manny found uh, Barter and Winwood on okay. Wednesdays. Right. Thursdays, there was Taurus open mic. Uh, in, Taurus in the is Grove. the best spot. I okay. love Taurus. It's like a shitty bar. Yeah, yeah. There's never more than like <laughs> there's never more than like ten or fifteen people in there, and they're not listening, like for sure. So, so you're working stuff out there. Yeah, yeah. Taurus and is how the best does, place is just winging. And I was gonna say, how does that like when you're at a place where people aren't listening? Is it like when you catch their attention that you're like, all right, that works? Yes, yes. When you catch their attention, you're like, all right, this works. But to be honest, it goes back to a lot of the stuff you're talking about when we, before we came on the mic that a lot of comedians there's no like prerequisites yeah. yeah there's no blueprint there's no blueprint there's no prerequisite it's like literally you go there you sign up someone puts you on stage and you're just like yeah, my dick is like you know i masturbate you know it's like all <laughs> these things but there's really no like you know template on how to be professional or how to write a joke or yeah. and i'm sure it's the same thing with djing there's no like yeah, i mean there's no open turn to i mean there is but like there's no like school like yeah. where most people go, you you buy a DJ set and you start practicing yeah. at home. You know, same it, same with comedy. It's like you could learn how to DJ and you can learn maybe how to write jokes, but you can't actually practice it unless you do the thing. Right, unless you do the thing. And the doing the thing the first time is like you're pretty much gonna fail. Yeah, 
But the, the hardest part about that is that most comedians don't even try. So like, let's say you go to an open mic, there's only four or five people there, and I've been guilty of this too, is you just kind of go up there and you bullshit. You know, you're just like, like, you know, no one's here, nobody cares. Like not purposely failing, but not trying to tell jokes, not trying to be a comic. You're not taking the risk. You're not like trying what you think would work. Yeah, you're not trying. Like you have to, you have to give it a hundred percent every time. Otherwise, you really don't know where you stand because joke telling is you you are a, a ninja of words. Too many words, the joke won't work. Too few words, people don't get the point. The wrong pause at the wrong place can can screw it up. It's kind of like when you're DJing and you're trying to mix a song. Yeah. And then I watch the DJ and he's like, he's like, shit. I'm like, what? He's like, fuck that up. And I'm like, I didn't even hear what you did. Yeah, I yeah, couldn't even tell yeah. you. He's like, no, the fucking the thing. And I'm like... Okay, I get it. Like it's your thing. Like no one yeah. else notices, yeah, but facts. it's your thing. <laughs> <laughs> but comics, a lot of Miami comics, they go up and they'll say the same material over and over, over and over, and they're never trying something new. They're never trying new jokes, and you just see them trying the same material over and over, or they just go up there and they're just like doing what's called crowd work, which is just like asking people questions, like, "Oh, where are you from? Like New Jersey? Oh, that place smells like shit." You know, like yeah. just like crowd work. But true stand-up comics, you're working towards building a special. You know, you're working towards building something you can sell, like a show. A whole story. Yeah. Like where, where, I mean, wouldn't like where all the jokes kind of intertwine, or there's like a like a vague storyline kind of thing, right? Yeah. So you work on it in five five minute chunks usually. Mm-hmm. So you try to get five minutes, and then you try to get ten minutes, and then you try to get fifteen minutes, right. and then you try to get twenty minutes. The open mic, like, usually for a real show, you'll have three comics. Sometimes two, but usually three. The first comic comes out, he's the MC. Yeah. Here are the house rules. Put your cell phones away. Uh, make sure you tip your bartenders. You know, no taking pictures with Flash. You know, no video during yeah. the show. Make sure you're drinking. And then you go into your set and you have to, like, warm them up. Where are you from, sir? You do a lot of crowd work. And they usually do like seven minutes. Then you introduce the next comic who does like 20 or 25. And then the last comic does 40 to an hour. That's usually the, the, the premise of a show. Right. The problem is here in Miami, you only really have open mics. And so Manny Garavito, who does a great job with Miami comedy, he'll have 30 to 40 comedians. Wow. On an open Stacked. mic. So it'll start at 9 and it'll end at 12.31. And it's five minutes each. Five minutes each, but 30 people. Can you imagine the people That's in the insane. audience when you get to Comedian 20? They're just like, oh my <laughs> God, I can't even take this anymore. Yeah. So because there's not more people producing shows, there's Everybody. a bottleneck right. of people who are trying to perform. And because not everyone gets to perform at a good time, the sweet spot is you're the first five comics. Got it. After the first five comics, it just loses. You're 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 fighting an uphill battle. They've yeah. heard every dick joke, dick right. cheese, what? farting, how masturbation, you... <laughs> rape. <laughs> how do you how did you find this approach to like comedy and like looking at it as like an art form and like dissecting it? How you do? Because I feel like in Miami it's hard because like you said it's like a lot of people might not look at it like how you look at it they're just like yo i'm trying to like tell jokes up on the stage yeah because you have you have like you, you, i mean you you attack comedy in like every other like job you know like your business business like I, your focus i think it's part of it's like me i think it's just a part of it is just who i am like i grew up 
poor. Like I wasn't, I wasn't like in the ghetto. Like I didn't live in a project, but you know, my parents divorced and since they didn't have their mutual income together, you know, they both had less. And so we grew up in, you know, not, I wasn't in the ghetto. I was like in the projects, like in New York city, but lower income neighborhoods. And so I always had to deal with like figuring it out on my own. And I'm one of four children, you know, and I'm like the upper middle child. So I got forgotten. So a lot of what I had to do was like figuring it out on my own. And my father's like a Bronx Jew and his grandparents are like immigrants. So he has that like immigrant mentality. Like I put you in this world, I'll take you out. Like I'll beat the shit out of you if you don't listen to me. You know, it's my right to kill you because I made you like that kind of like philosophy. So it was kind of that tough love stuff. So all that caused me to figure it out. So like as I got in trouble in high school, I would learn like how to finesse, you know, the, the right. parole officers that were on yeah. campus. I learned how to finesse like the principals who I'd always be in the office. Became I became a talker. I became a talker. Like I learned <laughs> that I had to talk my way out of trouble. And so as I grew up, like I sold, I used to go to the dollar store and I would buy packs of dice because dice mm-hmm. was cool back in like yeah. 05, yeah. 06. Like people were playing craps and shit in the-, in the... <laughs> Yeah, I used to play like with, with like 13 year old kids right, like, right. <laughs> for like dollars. So I would buy dice from the dollar store and they came packs of red, green, yellow, black, they always colors. And I would mix them together and then write on the sandwich bag, like the plastic sandwich bag, like, you know, Cuba. And I would have like Cuban colors or like, you oh, know, sure. Haiti. And I have like Haiti. And then I'd sell it for like two or three dollars. And nice. then I would take that money and gamble. And then I would try to like win my money back or lose. And then if I lost, I would stand by the vending machine and be like, yo, can I get your quarter? Like, let me get your quarter. Let me get your quarter. And I would make like five or seven dollars a week just like asking for people's quarters. Hustling. Um, so I guess I always had it in me to like look at a problem, dissect it and like see how I could approach it in a way that was going to benefit me. Um, So I looked at, I guess, comedy the same way because I was lucky enough to, one, I guess, get an education. Like I was able to figure it out. Like I went from being like a student with a 1.7 GPA to like getting a master's degree because I didn't want to like, you know, go to the army. I was like, yo, fuck this. Like I'm not doing that. (laughs) Like I'm not good at following orders. I'm not going to be good at the army. and then I looked at it like, how can I make money doing what I like? Because I'm never gonna be able to work in a job that expects me to sit in a cubicle. Yeah. Like I was fired from Publix when I was like 15. Like my basketball <laughs> coach got me a job and I was fired in two weeks. And I was suspended twice yeah. in two weeks. They told me to get shopping carts at like Fuck six that. in the morning. I went to the, my car and I would like sleep in my car for like 10 or 15 minutes. And then I would wake up and like bring like two or three carts inside. Mm-hmm. I would go to the bathroom and like buy a hot dog and just like sit on the toilet because we're gonna you, you can't. I'm having diarrhea. What are you gonna do? I can't. I can't yeah, bag groceries and have diarrhea. Is the ultimate excuse. You know, every time you're late for anything, you can't go somewhere. Just tell them yeah. I got diarrhea. I use it all the time. And they're gonna go. <laughs> <I'm not kidding. laughs> what are they gonna do, bro? You wouldn't bring believe. your shitty ass over here. Put on a diaper. You know, they're never. Gonna I've say said it all the time. Like, yo, bro, I have to go, man. I got it. Like, nobody's ever gonna question like you yeah, having like to. Go you to the tell them yeah. that if you're if you're that honest, they'd be like, well, they can't. Be yeah, lying. exactly. Yeah, I'm yeah, like, well, yo, I almost shit my pants, yeah. and I was about to leave my crib, and I had to shit, so I could have <laughs> come with shit smeared on my ass. Or, what was their answer? Just okay. Like, all right. <laughs> there's no, there's no rebuttal. Yeah, there's exactly. No rebuttal. Exactly. It's like it's, it's usually that. Like, hope you feel better, or like, damn, like. Glad you got that taken care of. But if you tell someone, like, I had a fever that almost put me in the hospital, they'd be like, oh, you can just take a Tylenol and get through that yeah, fever. Facts. Yeah. You know, but facts. diarrhea, they leave you alone. 
And like the more, and the more verbal you are, like yo, like I literally had to, sh- I had shit coming out of my ass. I was right at the door, and then it came out. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So Publix would be like, Aaron to the front. Aaron, can we get Aaron to the front to the bag of the groceries? And I'd just be in there eating a hot dog in the toilet, and the manager came in, like knocked on the door of the, of the bathroom. I'm like, I'm taking a shit. He's like, this is like the fifth time this week yeah. that you're like in the bathroom for an hour. Gotcha. I was like, oh, I got irritable bowel syndrome. Yeah, you yeah. know, my bowels hurt. So they suspended me for like two days. And then the last day I was there on like the second week, he like knocked on my window. I was like sleeping in my car. (laughs) He was like, goodbye. Come on, bro. I was like, all right, goodbye. So I knew that I could not have a normal job. And I rather struggle figuring it out than be comfortable in a desk. Yeah. And that's just my burden to bear. And that is, you know, that's now more than ever. You know, the whole yeah. struggle thing with yeah. everyone and everyone's struggling and I'm comfortable. Yeah, you know, it's like, like we've been preparing for this yeah. moment. Yeah, like this. I've been a rat looking for crumbs forever, yeah. you know, so. This is nothing new to us. Well, when I met you, though, uh, something I liked about you is that I noticed that you're like really resourceful. Yeah. Like we were like, you know, building out the studio and like he was, you're helping us with like, you know, things that we should get, things we would, and I'm here thinking like, oh, we'll go on Amazon. And you're like, no, bro, like, and you just made a whole studio like with just the shit we had laying around. Yeah. And I was like, damn, man, we did it in one day. Yeah. Which is like, that's something that, and I think a lot, like we were saying earlier, like a lot of people in Miami kind of are like, don't have that grind gene or they're like self entitled. So you see it a lot in DJing. I can imagine stand-up comedy. Like, yeah, I don't know what I don't know what it is. People talk a lot of shit about Miami, but I don't know what it is. I think um, I, I think people are pretty resourceful here. Um, I think the issue is that you know we're so far removed from a, a city that is known for its talent. Yeah, which is strange because we're of full of talent. Yeah, you know, everywhere. Pitbull, Rick Ross, Gloria Stefan. Uh, I could name a kajillion artists and keep going. Like. Uh, dancers, artists, um, everything, everything, yeah. everything. But for some reason, uh, our industry or our our city, you know, is really it's not New York or LA for some reason. I think it's the heat. I heard this is what I heard that because we're in a really hot area, people when it's hot, people want to f- they feel lazy because it's so hot. You know, when it's so hot, you're just like, oh, I just got to lay around yeah. like it's so hot. Where in New York, it's so cold. Moving around is what keeps you warm. And L.A. is not, even though it looks sunny, it gets cold in L.A. Yeah. You know, it gets down to the 60s at night and 50s at night. Like, you have to wear a jacket. It's kind of cold. Um, and I feel like we're looked at as like a getaway spot. Not like a you come to Miami to make it. It's like. Yeah, you leave Miami yeah, to make yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, or, yeah. Or you come to you come to celebrate. You come to celebrate. Right. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, it's. I think that when it comes to the city of Miami, I think that we do have a lot of talented people doing a lot of talented things. And I think we're a very new city. You know, we're not, we're not a, we're not an old city. Like everything is very, very new. Yeah. So definitely not like there's areas that just haven't grown. If you even just look at like Wynwood, you know, it's, it's a new neighborhood that like used to be the highest crime area in the city, you know, and even little Havana right now, when you have Calle Ocho, like even that street's growing with a lot of businesses. So, you know, we're a young city. We're not an old city. So you have a lot of people who are just figuring it out and we're a small community too. So if you know someone, there's a good chance that someone else knows you. Always. Right? It's It's like like, seven, what is it? Seven degrees of separation? Yeah. Or six degrees. Kevin Bacon, bro. Kevin Bacon. I remember, (laughs) I remember leaving LA. I did this uh, I used to work with Bang Energy as their MC, and we were out in LA for E3. And I remember being on top of a rooftop in LA 
for sunset. It was like one of my goals. I was like, I want to be on the rooftop. I want to see the city. I remember looking over the goddamn city. There was like 16 helicopters, you know, flying around. And when you look 360 around the building, it was just infrastructure in buildings as far as the horizon and 360 degrees. There are 16 million people that live in Los Angeles County. Miami only has 2.2 million. Yeah living in Miami-Dade County. And that includes Kendall and all that shit down there. Like, we're a small city. So when it comes to that hustle and grind, you really don't have to try that hard to get to the top of uh, your selected community or what you believe is the top, you know? I think you can also... um, It's easier to kind of build your top or build your lane, you know, in Miami. I think think that's one of the things because... I hate when people are always like, oh, New York this or uh, L.A. that. And, like, people that are born and raised in Miami are like, oh, my God, New York is so much better or L.A. is so much better. But I'm like, yo, like, don't you realize that here you can do it? You can build it. Like, you can create that. It's a smaller market, so it's easier to grow higher. You don't have to go through the system that's already in place. You can create your own system. Right. And so I think a lot of the comics here in Miami – don't necessarily one understand that and two there's really nobody showing them the way so for example i'm very lucky because my friend uh joseph you know is in the industry at a high level right so when i'm around him i'm you know i'm friends with dean edwards who was on saturday night live like you know i've worked with godfrey who yeah. you know who is a comic if you don't know who that yeah, is legend. you know um I'm, i've met aziz ansari like i know keith robinson like i've been in the cellar sitting at the table you know with the comics uh uh you know marina franklin so i've had the opportunity to have conversations with people on a personal level who are much much higher than me and i've always been very good at listening and being like okay like as they're talking like i don't ask questions but i'm like Oh, I hear what they're doing. You're just absorbing. I hear what they're saying. You know, like they're like, oh, this joke didn't work. You know, I'm going to put it in this part of my set and I'm going to rework that joke and extend it a little bit longer. And I was like, oh, they're doing this shit like a puzzle piece. Yeah. Like this isn't just like going like, I write a joke, I say it, I write a joke, I say it. This is like, they're thinking joke one is going to be referred to at joke 20. Joke four is going to be referred to at joke. 10 it's very methodical so it's methodical like it's like a wave you know see and that's so, another dj yeah we're gonna keep we're gonna keep <laughs> the dj trying. comparison right there i mean it's not like para but there's a lot of comparisons because you like, could just mix records one, one after another and it maybe it'll work or it won't work but the, the people that can flow and string together like a, a nice group of songs that like then see yeah, a set six songs later they're like oh okay i see what you did there and then the wordplay and then the transition and like bpm change all that it's like telling a story yeah, that's like one angle i mean that's one of the angles besides like the hustle and besides everything else that i think i mean i'm gonna keep i'm gonna keep saying it like <laughs> and, and I, know, I know zaya agrees too but it's something like that where like you program it you know you shuffle your stuff around sorry i didn't mean to no it's okay the only reason why i say it's different is because you're not using your voice. Yeah, yeah. No, like you're, not, the day, you're not saying your voice. You're feel, using the music to speak for you. I feel like DJing and comedy are like the comedy's the closest to being like the most. I, I guess, referred to like the most honest like occupation. Like, because yeah. you're just putting yourself out there so, solely. And then DJing is kind of, but it's just it's not our music, and it's not like I mean, oh, we're not. It's not like there's also like the promoters, I guess, and the people that come in the door that are a party and drinking. Well, how do you distinguish a DJ? From someone who pl- who presses play, 
Like, how do you distinguish? How they do it. Like, like when you go to see a DJ, do you go like, okay, this guy has put in work at home to kind of like, you know, it's, it, to do it's this a combination thing. of things. Like, I mean, obviously, I mean, I look at demeanor, I look at the person, and I look at how they DJ, and then I look at the structure of their songs, like how they program their set. You know, that's and how. it's also the same thing you were saying. Like, a lot of DJs get comfortable, and then they're like. Well, this works, so I'm just gonna keep doing the yeah, same set keep doing every the night. Same routines, yeah, because it's like why well, change it up yeah. if it keeps working. Listen, I, I, when I was an MC at the Clevelander, <laughs> yeah. I heard a lot of the same sets. Facts, you know, facts. Not, not saying that the DJs were not doing the same sets, but you know, they were giving the people what they want. So I was like, all right, early in the day, you know, we're we're gonna go old school. Yeah. You know, as the night picks up, we're gonna get a little bit heavier in the new school. You know, yeah, and the, but we can't we can't play the Drake songs until yeah. the 11 p.m. shift comes in. Right. You know, we don't we don't want to you know burst our bubble and and get some hit hit tracks out. So I think that the early DJ, I've always seen it as even the, I could see it in the comparison of them being the same. The opening comic is, is limited to what he should say and what he can say. And this is where, again, the the comics in Miami don't understand this, right? When you're the first comic, the thing you really want to say is you guys have a drink. Yeah. And I would always bring a, a glass with me and just put water and a lime in it and be like, I'm drinking, you know, vodka tonic, you know, cause I can't buy a drink every night because yeah. it's going to cost me money to go to the show. I already have to pay for parking. Yeah. I'm not going to pay $20 a night to, to go practice. That's yeah. not a very good financial understanding. Um, but the, the problem is a lot of the comics that open up are dirty, 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 dirty. So where does that leave, you know, the comic who comes in five? Yeah. You know, he can now, if he's dirty again, it's just way too much. Same joke, same dirty. Same with DJing. I can see like yeah, if you're a DJ DJing the, you know, time. 10 p.m. Yeah. Or, the, or the 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. shift or the 8 p.m. to 11 p.m. shift, whatever it is. Like if you're playing the hit tracks, yeah. that DJ is going to come in and be like, what'd you play? I played everything. Yeah, I think when you're an opener and All comedy the hits. or a DJ and you have to look at the night as one whole, like it's a team. Right. Like, progressing the night together because if you just try to like get your laughs off and like you feel good then you fuck up the headliner and the closer and all that stuff i think that's what miami misses i think miami misses the understanding of a team i I think everyone is out for themselves and no one understands that it's a greater it's a greater show like it's like even at the clevelander when i was working there or like you know to use that an example if I had the uh, 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. shift where like I was expected to do games and, you know, stuff like that, like I understood that my goal wasn't to be the star of the show. No. My goal is to make sure people are ordering chicken and wings and beer and like making sure Keeping the bartenders the are getting yeah. tipped and making sure the right. waitresses are getting tipped and, you know, making sure like if service is slow, like I would ask the manager, like, you know, how are we doing in the kitchen? He'd be like, oh, it's a little slow. Let's run a game because if everyone's playing a game, they're not worried about their food coming. So it's like, I think a lot of people, and maybe it's because I came from a sports background of understanding a team, is that when I'm on a show, the show's never about me. The show's about the show. And the better the show is, the better everyone looks or everyone is. And when I started the Miami stand-up comedy, you know, company, like that was my goal. Like I was like, you know, we're, we're a team in this. It's not like we're all individuals. And so, you know, I think that's a big issue with, what separates us from being a New Yorker in LA is that I, they're very clicky and they're used to being a part of a team. Right. You know, like in New York, it's like, yo, I hustle with my boys. You know, it's like a gang, like, you know, bird gang, all those things, like all those things that came dip set. Like they always had troops. Yeah. What's a Miami troop? Especially in comedy. Right. 
how do you feel about because i've noticed this going to comedy shows in miami like throughout the years like especially the opener who's not getting the headlining slot or maybe i've even seen this with like they just book people that aren't comedians but like a lot of comedians use the whole miami thing and like that's their shit where you just they're not really telling jokes but they're saying relatable things about miami like the traffic and then everyone is always gonna laugh because it's like yo i know when i'm on 980 i-85 this guy oh, he gets it yeah they're like oh the turnpike's still under construction yeah like, the same shit. oh it took you know and it's always like jokes jokes that are like not dated but they're just in the box like it's like because i've seen like uh i think it was the improv where like the the opener local comedian was doing like all miami shit and then the headliner was from like LA, and he was just like, uh, "Yeah, like I have nothing about Miami." Yeah, I'm gonna tell that, my jokes. Is that like a frowned upon? Yeah, yeah, like you, when you're at like an improv show, you're at a real comedy show. Yeah, like it's not like an open mic bar show. You know, this is a real comedy show with with a real comic who has a manager who flies around the country who does. Whether he's in Miami tonight, he's going to be in Tampa tomorrow. He's going to be after Tampa. He's going to be in South yeah. Carolina. After South Carolina, he's you know he's moving around. Like he's not in one place for too long. It's he's on the road. It's a difficult life. Um, but you, most comics don't know to ask like the headliner like, are there any topics you want me to stay away from? No. Yeah. They don't know that etiquette. But you should ask. Like, I'm sure I don't know if DJs ever do it. Like, are there any songs you don't want me to play? That of you course. you know. Right. Oh, I, I, I tell them like I'm, I mean I'm I it's the same thing. Um, but is it bad on the DJ? I mean, I'm sorry. Is it bad on the on the headliner to tell the the guy like, hey, look, don't don't do any yeah, because a lot of like any DJs, rape jokes or something. Yeah, like. like a lot of DJs or comedians, I guess, would say like the argument of like, well, like you should just be able to be ready no matter what after the opener because right. like that's what you do, so you should be able to kill it anyways. Yeah. And then you should be ready to never work with me again and uh, <laughs> basically <laughs> figure another way to get into uh, this business because right. if you. If you do that to somebody who's bigger than you, yeah. you know, why are they going to book you again? Yeah. People book you when you make them money. Nobody books you because you're a great DJ. Yeah. Nobody books you because you're a great comedian. People book you because when you play, people come and spend money. Like, no one's like, oh my God, you know, Zaya, you fucking, the, the, the mix is tonight. God, we're going to give you an extra $100 tomorrow. Nobody came yeah. in. And we're gonna go out of business, but we need to pay you yeah. because that music was unbelievable. We loved it as we were cleaning these empty tables. <laughs> you know, no, they they bring you back because you bring people. Yeah, you know, um, they bring you back because you make the venues money. So if you are a comic and you open up for somebody and you fuck over the headliner and the headliner doesn't do good, and instead of making fifty thousand dollars in the kitchen and bar, they make twenty five thousand. And the headliner goes, I don't like working with that guy. You better believe the improv is never, ever, ever calling you back. And they're like, yo, this is politics. This yeah. is bullshit. This is, fucking, politics. You know, this is politics. This is politics. No, this is a fucking balance sheet, bro. This, this is a balance Bottom sheet line. to yeah. everybody. So, you know, I, w I was lucky enough right before the pandemic, Cisco Duran, who I would say is the biggest Miami comic right now, um, Cisco Duran is Carlos Mancia's opener, travels around the country with him. But Cisco is our is the biggest Miami comic who reps Miami. Um, is another comic named David. I forgot his last name, but he just had an HBO special out, HBO Latina X or Latin X. And he was on there as one of the comedians. And he's from Miami, but he doesn't like rep it. Like Cisco is like, yo, Miami, DJ Laz. He's always with DJ Laz, yeah. like 305 and stuff like that. 
you know, he gave me an opportunity he, to open up. He brought him to, um, sorry, he brought Carlos Mencia, Laz brought Mencia, and probably him too to Wood one time. Yeah. For battle. So, yeah. so you know, uh, Cisco, I had known him since, you know, he started working with Mencia because he helped my friend Kimberly open up for him one time in a Spanish place. Um, but he let me open up for Carlos Mencia um, at the Hard Rock, at the, nice. the comedy club. But the week before that, I had my audition for the hard rock and I opened up for Harlan Williams in which I passed my opening at the hard rock. So that was like March 1st. I, I did Carlos Mancia like the next week in March and then the pandemic happened and everything was shut down. And so, and they bring legit acts to the, they bring the legit hard acts. Rock. But at the end of my set, when I talk to the owners, like I'm not just going like, Hey, thanks a lot. Like I'm walking around and helping the staff, you know, clean up, like throw away some things, you know, I'm like tucking in some chairs, you know, if the comic is selling t-shirts or merchandise, I ask the comic, like, you want me to help you set up some t-shirts and merchandise? Like I always try to make sure that I'm, that I'm working because no one likes somebody who's just like sucking off Shows resources, up, yeah. you know? So I think a lot of the opportunities that I've gotten over my lifetime have been because like, I'll ask the venue, like how we do money wise tonight. Did we sell a lot of drinks? And they'll be like, yeah, we did good. But even though they don't tell me the number, the fact that they know that I'm asking yeah, if right. we made money, they go, okay, so this guy knows where I'm at. As a GM, right. as a GM, I'm sitting back going, did we make money? I'm not saying, oh, your set was great. You were funny. All he cares about is, you know, honestly, I, I wasn't even listening, but we sold a shitload of drinks and a shitload of food, so we want you back. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of Miami comics don't you know, really understand this. Oh, Miami, Miami DJ, yeah, that's what I was This is like a lot of things that we picked up along the years. Also, like you were saying, like we would, we always help out. Like we're not, we don't just fucking pack up and leave. Like, cause I also feel bad. Like, yo, I'm done. It's even though it's three, four in the morning, I'm done, but these guys are still busting. These guys are still cleaning. Right. So I'm going to clean up my booth. I'm going to get glasses. I see. I'm yeah. going to like help them as much as I can before I leave. Instead of just being like, all right, thanks. Yeah. Like, we, I learned music. That, we learned that. We learned that uh, early because it would be, from learning the managers, I mean, to us, we you know we're at the same places a lot. So like, from our perspective, is like we learn you know the bouncer's name, like oh this is Rob, you know you know the managers, and then like you know the bartenders, and like what got me really good at wood, and this is like a secret. I don't, I don't know if I've ever really mentioned this, but is that like I would I would just hang out with the bartenders, and I'd be like yo what's good, and at the time it was a limited selection of music and I would be like, yo, what, what do you want me to play? Mm. And I would play whatever the fuck they wanted me to play. They're the ones, the staff is the ones who talk in the they, meetings. They're so, the ones that like exactly. gossip. It'd be like, oh, the Thursday. So I, when I was in there, I was playing by the book. Like I went in knowing what I was doing and I played the format that they wanted me to play. But at the same time, oh, so-and-so's working this bar. I know that she wants me to play Madonna. Boom. And I would hit, 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 hit all those numbers. I would get free shots. And then they would go around, you know, oh, the Thursday guy does this and this and this and that. Like, those are angles that a lot of people don't even think of. You know, if your ego, if you put your ego and, and your talent or whatever first, like, you're not going to think of the business side. Because yeah. nobody fucking cares. Like, Do you ever go in, like, a, like, here's what I do in comedy. I love watching other people's sets. Fact. Yeah, 100%. I you think know, you have to. But, you know, when I was at the Clevelander and I started at the Clevelander, you know, um, Juan had hired me because he was the the camera turned off. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I don't know if um, Juan um, Safara hired me over there, but there's really no instructions. Like they're not like, here's what he's like, this is what you got to do. But there's really not like, 
they don't like walk you through or show you what to do. It's just like kind of figure it out. So I would go on my off days and watch like Jordan, who was always there. Shout like, out to Jordan. Yeah. Um, you know, and and watch the other MC who was there. And that's how I would learn like what they liked or what they didn't like. And I would ask the bar tenders the same thing. Like, you know, what, what kind of games did they run? What do they like? What do they right. like to see? But most comics in Miami, they, you know, they're not, they're not thinking that. And I'm sure most DJs aren't thinking that. So maybe we're more like in that aspect. Like people are just fucking <laughs> right. unaware. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think, you know, from what we've all talked, even, you know, from before, like we think of the business side of everything first, you know, like before the, the arts, I guess, or like, we know that we we it's not that we think of it first, but like we know the value of it. And yeah. We know how important it is. And people have their own life. Like they're not like, oh yeah, you play great music. Like they're worried about their job. They're worried about everyone else's job. And with job. us, and with us, we learn because a lot of times I remember like when I would play at certain places for the first, second, third time. First time they might tell you, oh, you killed it, but then like they don't think about that like then it gets to the point like if they tell you something it's because you, you did something bad yes like like if if you just kept doing your shit because i remember like leaving a mansion it was like that all the time i'd be like damn for like i'd be waiting for like the next day it's like oh man somebody's gonna say something and then i realized yo if nobody says anything you're good you're great when yeah. you don't rock the boat that's when you're yeah. winning and, I, and i'm honestly i'm a rock the boat person so <laughs> I, I i get in trouble with that all the time because I rock the boat because if I see something lacking, like I will suggest like how to fix it. And I I've learned that in Miami, people don't want to hear how it can be fixed. No, in Miami, I they want to they want to keep the status quo. They want to keep it the way it is. And if you're like, hey, I really have this innovation, and they'll be like, yo, fuck your innovation. I think Miami, you're it, a threat. It might you're be it might be just I don't know if it's a Latin thing. If it's not broken, don't fix it. Like right, it's if it's working, leave it alone. Yeah, that's that's a big mentality that a lot of people have here and it's like yo wouldn't you just want to make it better right and you have to put less effort in the end and to let it run itself yeah but you know it's hard you know it's hard because you guys are lucky because you have a great you know management team that's like really behind you guys and you know your your management team is is it's great to have a management team but Shout most rockwell rockwell but most most talent. most people don't have that especially comics right um that was another thing that i noticed about what made the miami stand-up comedy scene suck uh, and something that I've been trying to fix, but I also have my own barriers that have stopped me from fixing it. Um, like, you know, insecurity issues or like thinking about like, who am I to come out and try to help the comedy scene when I've only been in it for like a year and a half. But sometimes you know? it takes someone that's like, yo, we need to change. The, yeah, I know, but up. it's not, but when right. you, I started Miami standup comedy, uh, because it didn't work out between me and Manny. And, you know, I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to do my own thing then. You know, I didn't want to do my own thing. I wanted to work together. No. But if I have to do my own thing, because my reputation is everything to me. It's more than money. Like, my reputation has gotten me work. It hasn't been my skill or my craft, because anyone can do my skill or craft. Like, I'm not, you know, I'm not that talented. You know, I'm not like, I can't dance as good as Chris Brown, sing as good as, you know, uh, you know, Jacquez and then, you know, uh, rap as good as Rick Ross. <laughs> Jacquez. 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 <laughs> that was a good reference, though. Um, but the point is that, like, anyone, like, I'm not that unbelievably yeah. talented that you can't live without me. Because if that was the case, I wouldn't be doing this podcast. You know what right. I'm saying? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I would be real. <laughs> you know, I would be traveling Let's or whatever. 100. So I know that my reputation is what gets me hired. People know that I'm a good worker. They know that I'm going to work hard. They know that I care. 
Um, so when I started Miami stand-up comedy, a lot of the comics were like, yo, who are you to fucking be Miami stand-up comedy? Like, you know, Manny's been doing this for five years. Like, uh, you know, you're stealing from him. And I would be like, how am I stealing from him? Yeah. Like, I would even promote Miami comedy shows on Miami stand-up comedy. Yeah, you're I'm creating like, more opportunities. Yeah, I'm like, there's, there's nothing to steal. Yeah. Like, you know, what am I going to steal? There's so much that everyone can have a piece. But people in Miami have this, like, scarcity mentality that there's not enough, you know? But to create means you have to create it on your own. Like, you guys would create your own parties. You wouldn't right. wait for a party to come to you. You made the party. Yeah. There's a difference, right? If you wait for the party to come to you, you're waiting for opportunities. Whatever. If you create the party, then it's on you, and you are the ones who own it and have all this stuff. But I'm sure a lot of people in the industry are like, yo, that party's whack. You know, fuck those guys. You yeah, know, everyone's not... always going to hate. Right, right, right. So with Miami stand-up comedy, I felt that a lot. People were like, you know, who are you to do Miami stand-up comedy? And that did make me feel, you know, a little uncomfortable because I don't want to – I'm not – I didn't grow up in Miami. Like I didn't go to any of these high schools around here. I grew up in Broward. So I kind of feel like this like imposter syndrome. Like, I guess I'm not Miami stand-up comedy. I wanted it to be the voice of the people. I don't want to be Miami stand-up comedy. So if you go to the page, like I'm not like, I'm Miami stand-up right. comedy. Aaron's Miami stand-up comedy. It's always like, we're a community. We're, we're a group. We're a bunch of things. But when you go to Manny's page, Miami comedy, it's like him. He's like, I'm Miami comedy. Yeah. You know, and so that rubs people the wrong way. And so you don't have a like sometimes good leadership when it comes to the comedy scene. And that's something that I really wanted to do before this pandemic was kind of like I wanted to teach people how to put on their own shows. And I didn't even want a piece of it. Like I didn't want a piece of the show. I just wanted to teach them how to do it because if there was more options yeah. to go to open mics, I wouldn't have to be comic number 30. Yeah. If there was four shows going on a night then we could bounce a lot right. of things about comedy it helps the scene out yeah what makes comedy good in new york is you could do five shows in one night mm, just like andrew schultz yeah where here you do one show at red bar and you show up at 8 30 p.m you put your name on the and list you by 8 30 you're already comic 25 and you're like but 25 people aren't here and they're like oh so-and-so texted me on the phone i'm like so then there would be like fights over well, do you have to be there like yeah. to get your name on the list? You can't text ahead because that's not fair to the people who actually showed up. So then you're paying $3 an hour for parking, 8.30, 9.30, 10.30, 11.30, 12.30 is when you finally go on and there's three people in the bar. Yeah. It's cost you $15 in parking. No one's there and you know, you're frustrated. So it's not really an area where comics can really bloom or grow when that's your only option for a Monday night. But if there was five shows yeah. and each room only had five comics, you would be able to get through more shows, test your material, and the scene would grow. So the problem is, is that nobody wants to take the leadership and the struggle of putting on their own show. They wanna be on other people's shows yeah. and they wanna get all the accommodations and they wanna be first and they wanna have great spots on the show and they wanna be able to have longer time and they wanna be able to run the light, but they don't wanna put on their own show. To grind. Right, so I put on my own shows and I put on great shows because I would include music in the comedy shows. Yeah, yeah. So I did comedy shows where now Manny or Miami Comedy, the only person really putting on shows, 
would do a booked show in the beginning. So you had to be booked. So the first five comics were a book show who sometimes got paid. So that was like the real comedy show. Then after those five comics, it'd be open mic. But there'd be real no clear transition to when the show ended and the and open, the open mic, mic started. It'd be like, yeah. and your next comic, and your next comic, and your next comic. So the audience has no idea, right? Mm. I switched it up. I was like telling everybody, I was like, why don't we have the open mic from 8 p.m. to 9.30 p.m.? Because no one's here at 1 and no one's here at 8. Yeah. Let me go home. Yeah, people are just happy to be there getting some stage time anyways. Right. So I would do the open mics from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Then I would have a music performance from 9 p.m. to 10 p.m. And then I would have a show 10 to 12. And people loved it. And the last thing I wanted to incorporate was a DJ. Yeah. Like, because as a event producer, the last thing I want is people to go home. I need people to going. stay and I need people to buy drinks. Because if I only have a show where I get the tab from 9 to 11, I could only do maybe $1,000 in bar sales. Yeah. But if I have the evening from 5 p.m. all the way um, till 2 a.m., now my bar sales are going to be in the thousands. And you're not like the it's not like LA like the comedy store. You could just have thirty killers on in one night, and it's okay. What's well, like, the improv? And the improv doesn't help us. Hmm. You know, the improv isn't like mentoring the city to put the on community. shows. They're not. Yeah, to them you're, it's just the venue. You're trying to, to be them the it's community. Just the venue. Right. So I'm trying to make it like a community, but it's hard because when you tell people this, people are like, "Yo, fuck you. Who are you to tell me?" You know? but do you think the imposter syndrome ever really goes away? Or like, how do you know? Like, how do you, wh when are you like, all right, I'm a comedian. I feel it. I'm uh, the guy. I can do this. For me, it was when I started getting paid. So like, if you want to hire me to host your event, it's going to cost you four numbers and a comma in between one of them. You know what I mean? So that makes me feel like, okay, I'm a host. I'm an entertainer. Like, I know for sure I can come and deliver at your venue. Yeah. And it's going to cost you, you know? Um, but the problem is it's a limited space to where you can do that. Bar mitzvahs, weddings, those people will pay four numbers in a comma to be, you know, to have someone move yeah. the party along. Right. But Wood doesn't need that. Yeah. You know, uh, Mansion doesn't need that. You know, if they're going to do that, they're going to hire Little John or they're going to hire, Mansion you know. Doesn't exist. Yeah, so yeah. it definitely doesn't well, need you know, that. <laughs> you mentioned that before. What, what did Mansion become? Uh, right now Dead. it's nothing. It's just a uh, space for lease. Oh, Icon. Icon, Icon? 360. And wait, and it was some, it was cabana or something oh yeah so that people are needed you know so for mm -hmm. me as a comic like i'll feel like i'm a comic um and i almost felt like that i was supposed to do the arthritis foundation up in uh detroit on april 2nd corporate gig and then a corporate gig which is like my bread and butter right. like corporate clean is like my is like my sh my stuff yeah. even for djs like if you can get yeah. a corporate event um, you can get some racks yeah you uh, know everybody's always trying to get into that like. um, but you got to play clean you know yeah, it's got to be all good professional professionalism is you got to wear a suit you know it's yeah. not like you show up you know um and so i was supposed to do that corporate event and then i was supposed to do a comedy tour because i got hooked up with a small event producer who does comedy shows like it's called the brewery comedy tour heron entertainment and I linked up with him because I was like, damn, I need talent to come to Florida and I need like a comedy circuit. Yeah. Someone who's in the area so I can get comics that are not in the area who are better than the comics here to be on my shows. And so because I started helping him out and giving him venues, I would find the venue, but it would be him doing the booking and I would be an opener for him. 
But what that allowed me to do was it allowed me to form a relationship with him. So he was like the comics that would perform with me, they would give him the word like this guy was funny. So then he was like, you want to go on tour? Yeah, the co-sign. So then do that all the time, right? Co-sign in different cities. So I was supposed to do a tour. I was supposed to go to Detroit, Ohio. Um, I was going down to Tennessee. I was going down to Georgia. And I was coming back down to Florida. I was supposed to do like 10 venues on the way down. And I was like, yes, I'm a comic. I'm going on my first tour. And even though it would have been like breweries with like 50 or 60 people, I'm like, yo, fuck it. Like, yo, I'm a comic. And then pandemic. So you were making all these strides. You're hard rock. You were ready to post. You were ready to post the backpack with the hashtag. You were gonna do the schedule with the rundown, everything, and then COVID. COVID. So you literally speak for a living. You do jokes, uh, host events, all that, and all that's gone. So what do you? How do you? What are you doing now? How do you? And this is for DJs too. Like, how do you stay? I guess quote unquote relevant. Pivot or what do you do? what you guys are doing which is the twitch innovating right like you guys are on twitch you guys are doing this thing like um but it helps because you guys have the three of you you know and it helps to do things in a group because when one person is feeling like yo fuck this like i don't want to do it the other one's like yo come on come on you know it's kind of like pushing each other but for me i learned all the streaming stuff um we were supposed we wanted to do something at taurus with like the streaming things but I was still fresh in the game with like learning like how to yeah. connect the camera and how to do the thing. And I felt very overwhelmed with like being able to put on that show. Like I didn't feel like I knew enough about streaming and you know, Brian and us were like, yo, let's stream. And I was like, <laughs> you know, I'm still learning the streaming, like let alone like, and then it was not only that, but the equipment issues, like all oh, like the cameras you need yeah. and the cables you need. I think it was like, that was like, uh, it was the first months of everything happening. So we're like, yeah, just do something. Cause like we right. need to do something. Right. <laughs> and, um, but then I waited and I think it was a good thing to wait, you know, a little bit. And I think that now things are opening up back to 50% capacity, but I spent a ton of time learning how to video edit, you know, because I realized, you know, video editing is the way to go. Um, I wrote a lot like a lot of writing new material. Um, like I would write like little quick jokes. Like, you know, I remember showing up to a Black Lives Matter protest and they were like, hey, Aaron, you know, it's not a hunger strike, right? And I was like, <laughs> I get it. I'm skinny. That's, <laughs> that's cool. You know, like little jokes like that and, you know, trying to make them relevant. But the problem is when I listen to the giants in the industry, they're like, be careful making jokes about COVID because one, it's going to be oversaturated with yeah. COVID jokes. And once you're able to go back out, no one's gonna want to hear these COVID jokes. Another, yeah. another. That's another. You know, it's another parallel. alignment, but another parallel because when like um, the board in the house, like or the coronavirus, the the, the coronavirus, virus, that shit. People were like, "Yo, I I tweeted it like, yo, do not play any of these songs." First of all, nobody wants to hear that shit like on streams. Nobody wants to hear that shit like. You don't want to be reminded, like so. Yeah. I was heavy on on saying that, you know, places that are open in Texas or everywhere else, like yo, people don't want to go out and hear coronavirus or hear this and that, and like because they're away from that. People go out to get away from reality. Yes. So like nobody, I mean, in the song wise and comedy, like you can, I mean, I don't know, maybe it's less like direct, you gotta be very I thoughtful guess. of yeah. how you, not just to do one for sakes of doing one. 
Yeah, exactly. Comedy's different, you know, because you could be there a blue, you, you could be a you could be a blue comic, so you could be very dark. Yeah. Like Anthony Jeselnik yeah. would be a blue comic, talking about like dead baby jokes and all these things like that. Or you could be more of a storytelling comic, like Kevin Hart, who basically just tells stories. So it's just figuring out your platform. But I think that everybody, if if you're poor, you have to record yourself, and the more you record yourself, the better chances you have of no longer being poor. And what I mean by that is. I go and I do a comedy show and I do great. And there's 10 people in the audience yeah. and I don't record it. Right. Uh, and I was telling my younger brother this, cause we have these philosophical debates all the time. I had always been anti recording, anti social media, anti posting and all these things. Because when I was getting my master's degree, it was in communication studies. And so I studied the media and what I realized I was like, damn, you know, most people don't study the media and they don't realize how affected you are by it. It's like being in a room full of smokers, but you don't smoke. You still get secondhand smoke effects, even though you're like, I don't smoke, you mm. know? How did I get cancer? Well, right. you're in a room with fucking smoke all the time. So I was always like, I'm gonna be honorable. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make it in this world with without being on social media. Like I'm gonna achieve all these things and I'm nope. gonna do it without social media because I'm a man of honor and I'm not fake. And I'm a, and I had like all these like ideas in my head about like what it meant to be like a real person and like an authentic man and like, you know, a man who stick to morals and principles. And so think about it. I was the arena host for the NHL Florida Panthers. Yeah, and a huge platform. I was teaching full-time as a college professor. I was a MC, MCing like big events, charity galas, and not taking a picture of any of it, not posting a single thing, yeah. not bragging, yeah. not tweeting, because I was like, oh, I'm going to be a man of just like my yeah. word, and I'm never going to go on social zero media. Zero promo video. Imagine zero back video. You know, and, I, and I think about it now, I go, imagine if someone would have followed me with a camera, and they would have been like, they would have woke up at me in the day, and I would have woke up at 6 a.m., gone and taught a college class to college students, 8 a.m., 11 a.m., 2 p.m., then left the college, went to the arena at 4 p.m., did my mic check in the arena at 6 p.m., then hosted a game in front of 20,000 fans at yeah. 7 p.m. to 11 p.m., then went home, graded papers, then woke up the next day at 6 a.m. and did it all over again. You know, if I would have shown that in a documentary, people would have been like, oh, my God, you're working so hard. You're so motivating <laughs> to me. Like, you make me just want to, like, stop just sitting on my couch. Like, thank you so much for posting this. Like, I'm so much more motivated today seeing you work hard. And I'm like, you fucking idiot. Just work <laughs> hard. Like, what do you have to see me doing right, that for? I think and I struggle with that all the time. It's like, damn, I want to post, like, all this shit that we do and that I you do. Should. And But then I'm like, I'm like, bro, like, who cares? Like, you should right. you should be doing shit, too. And, I, and I'm, Imposter syndrome. Or like, yeah, or like, oh, I'm I'm thinking, yeah, they're doing shit too. Everyone's doing shit. Why do they care what I'm doing? But then, like, I'll post something, and then someone, one person, will hit me up, like, "Yo, thank you." Blah blah blah. blah. Right. And I'm like, "Fuck, that was good." I know. But, like, right? then I'm like, "Fuck, why do I care so much about one person?" And like, I hate Gary V. Like, I'm not a <laughs> right? Gary V. fan. I hate Gary V. Like, I don't like him. I'm a fan um, boy. Only because he does. He he is the um, the Mister General. I'm gonna give you a general message with no specifics, you know? And I get it because a general message is gonna play to a bigger audience better. The more specific you make something, the more it can't impact a lot of people. But the one thing that he's right about and that you cannot deny is when you make a picture or you make a video, it has 
an infinity amount of plays. So if you were to look at it like recording this podcast and putting it up there, you can hire me if you're listening to this to be your media coach. You can hire me as a stand-up comedian. You can hire me as an event host. And you can hire me as a screenwriter or screenplay writer. Now that I put that out there and people know they can hire me, this episode lives forever on the internet and you can picture it as a virtual Aaron is working on the internet 24 seven, you know? So if you have your website up and you have uh, your social media up and you're constantly posting, that means that even when Kaz and Zaya are sleeping, you're working. Virtual you is working. And so this is why poor people have to record themselves because poor people need to be working as much as possible. If you're rich, you don't work because more likely than not, your money works for you. It is unfair to the guy who works at CVS who works for $9 an hour and he works 12 hours. He could only make $120. After taxes, that's probably $90 for his time. Would you DJ for $90 for four hours of DJing? No. So that means that you have already entered a realm where your physical body is worth more money than someone else's physical body. The goal is to get to a place where you make money without your physical body. If you're in stocks and you sell some stocks and you make $10,000 on one stock trade, that is irreplaceable. Your body can only do so much. So when you record yourself, you're multiplying your body. I need to chop that up to a clip. And put it out there in the virtual. But it's true. And so when I when I when I see, you know, that it makes me go like, damn, I should be posting, I should be like putting it on social media because I am poor. Like I can only make I can only make money if my physical body is present. I can't make money unless my physical body is present. Right. And I'm sure you guys are both the same way, unless you guys are amazing stock traders that I don't know about, or you have some amazing investments. But more likely than not, the only way you can make money is with your physical body. And I learned this through the pandemic. Right. When the pandemic happened, I was like, no one can hire me (laughs) because my physical body can't be there. And because my physical body can't be there, I can't make money. And so a switch turned on and I was like, yo, I need to start recording myself way more because you know, what am I going to do if this happens again? What happens if I get into a car accident? What happens if my I lose my voice? What happens, you, you know? Do you ever feel like, <clears throat> like you didn't record yourself because you valued like the quality of what you had more than the quantity of it? I didn't record myself because I saw recording as being fake. Like everything on the media is fake, you know? Except for this, this feels pretty conversational. Yeah. Like a podcast is usually pretty conversational, but outside of a podcast, like if you're making a video and someone's like the camera's on, you're like, hey guys, right. how's it going? Aaron here. And that's right. exactly how I talk. You know, it's like you, the moment a camera's on, you start acting. Like no right. one acts normal. So I never did social media because I was thinking to myself, it's more important for me to make connections with people in real life. Like I am a great yeah. real life person. Like when you meet me in real life, people are like, yo, I like this guy. He's friendly. He talks to me. He knows my name. He cares. But on social media, I'm trash. Like I don't know what to post because honestly, it's only a fragment of who you are. You know, like I could not post enough to give people the full grasp of who I am. And there's like, it's hard to give like context because like I could post something and like 
you and Kaz know me. So if I post it, you're like, oh, I, yeah, I, I know what he's trying to say. But, like, I could post something and someone that doesn't know me could come across my page and be like, oh, this guy's a fucking clown. Or, like, right. this guy's being arrogant or this guy's being cocky or he's being, like, I don't know, whatever. The case. He's trying to be funny. I'm not trying to be funny. Right. So it's, like, it's harder, like, on Instagram especially to give context to one picture. Exactly. Yeah. It's impossible to give context to one picture. It's always going to be taken out of context. Unless you do a quadruple novel caption and then no one's reading no one's that. No reading the whole fucking <laughs> caption. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, you know, it's one of those things that I've always fought. But now the pandemic happened, I'm like, never again. I, I got to get into this mode of just recording myself nonstop and being very focused on what I want people to do. Hire me as a comedian. Hire me as an entertainer. Like, I don't need to be like, these are my feelings and this is how I feel. I need to be like, you can hire me. This is what I do. This is what I'm blah, blah, And just have virtual Aaron just constantly working constantly seeking out work constantly seeking out work because i only make money with my physical body yeah. and if i can't have my physical body work then i'm fucked like you know i have no other way to make money like i don't have an investment i don't have an apartment complex like wh what am i going to do and that's, that's what i think a lot of us in the entertainment you know sector felt when this pandemic happened we were mm -hmm. all like holy shit i can't even like my skills are there but people won't allow my physical body inside of a place and so i can't make money so all of us shit our pants you know Pretty unless much. you had some savings if you didn't have savings then you're screwed like i know some some people who are dancers who got you know sometimes evicted from their apartments recently because they couldn't pay their rent because they couldn't work you know and there's no protection so now they're evicted from their homes and they're couch surfing and they're trying to find a new place like that fucking sucks yeah. you know that sucks. Especially entertainment. It's always like, I, I, would, I would always say, like, I felt it was always too good to be true. Like, there's no way I can get paid to, like, but you did. play music all but the you time. Did. <laughs> but I think that after this, entertainment is going to have a gigantic boom. Yeah. You know, people are going to be so. Like, post 9 11 kind of vibes, like, where people are just kind of, like, ready to, like, be out and feel positive and be, and be together. Be together. Yeah. And, and people you got to remember that people aren't rational. Like if we were a rational species, like if we actually used rationality, we wouldn't have all these dead fish mm -hmm. on the shores of Miami because we would be like, well, who's polluting? Well, fuck them, shut them down, you know? But we don't think rationally, yeah, right? So we're easily distracted. So even though nobody's been working really, unless you work in a corporate job that you could do your job remotely, even though you were about to get evicted from your house, the moment Monday comes, people are going to be going out to get drinks. 100%. Fact, though, They're going to take their credit card. They're going to put themselves in credit card debt just to have the feeling that they want to feel because they're irrational. So because of their irrationality, entertainment is going to have a giant boom because people are going to want to flex and buy bottles and they rather lose their car to have it repoed than to not be able to pop a bottle in a club because popping a bottle makes them feel... Yeah. yeah, like Good. it's funny because in the beginning of the pandemic, we were like, "Oh man, people are gonna go back to like being kind of humble and being like." Whatever. I mean, some people are realizing things during this but pandemic, I, but there's always, always gonna, be, gonna be those people, especially in Miami. And like, yeah. and I think that's the big reason why it took this. I mean, we went under phase one or like complete fake sh fake shutdown, and now we're going back to phase one because people in Miami were just not giving a fuck. Like, they still don't give a still fuck. Don't give a fuck. Like people in Miami don't care and, at and, all. And and and, and, and 
you know, hopefully this lasts for longer, but it's gonna be some wild shit. Like starting this weekend, like it being Labor Day from here to November. The, okay. Listen, the stock no. market, the stock market. When I listen to the stock market channel in the morning, because I opened it up a TD Ameritrade account, because I just no. can't be a comic. Like I need to make, <laughs> I, I need to make money without my physical body. You know, so I realized right. I need to get some stocks. You know, I need to start thinking about that. I'm an old man now. I'm 32. You know, I had a I had a hair on my ear today that was like this long. That's how I know I'm getting old. I was like, damn, I'm getting that old man hair on my ears. Damn, I haven't um, gotten that yet. And so, you know, they they're already saying in the stock market um, that oh, well, things are rebounding because people are going back to work. Yeah. You know, uh, Snickers released that commercial where the guy's like, oh, I didn't know this was a. I thought this was a Zoom thing. I don't know if you saw it where he's in his underwear. So they're already starting to show you commercials where people are like gathering without masks and like getting together, and they're trying to like massage the American public. I haven't seen that one. You know, they're like they're like everything's gone. You know, it's coronavirus right. isn't real. You know, yes. don't go out and meet your friends. You know, they're just massaging us, right? They're just trying to say like, oh, we're opening up ours 50%. Like, because they know most people are irrational and they're not going to actually look up the facts. They're not going to actually know the statistics. And they know that if they just massage us, just go back out, spend your money. Don't worry about masks. I think by December, people are going to be like, coronavirus? They're like, la, 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 yeah, la, la. No. What's coronavirus? Too far gone. I think by Halloween, gone. bro. Yes, because they want to make money on Halloween. And Thanksgiving. Halloween is going to be, well, when's the election? November, November 4th, 4th right? right? Yeah. Yeah, like I think Halloween is going to be like an insane shit show. But I think that DJs, comedians, we have an unbelievable opportunity right now. I think that most people who were part-time DJs who were... Palapinga. Yep. They, palapinga. <laughs> <laughs> um, they are quitting. They're done. You know, they're like, you know, DJing's not for me. I'm out of it. I can't work. You know, I was already doing it as a part-time thing. So I think that what's going to happen is you're going to have like the cream of the crop surface. So those who are serious about it yeah. have been working on their craft and they're going to be ready for mm -hmm. an opening. thousand percent. Those who are not working on their craft, when things open, they're going to fire the gun and they're still going to be tying their shoes up in the locker room. And they're going to be like, oh, oh, things have opened up. Um, so I think that there's going to be a gold rush for entertainment because people are going to be so hungry. Venues are going to want to come back. Um, it's sad to say, but as I drive around, I, I drive around a lot because I'm bored. And I look and, you know, Latin Cafe on Biscayne, gone. You know, yeah. um, uh, Miller Ale House on um, Miracle Mile, gone. gone. You know, businesses left and right, shut down, gone, closing their doors, closing their doors. Now, that's sad, yeah, but what's going to happen is someone's going to come along, they're going to open a business, and they're going to be motivated for a promotion. So they're going to call the hottest DJs, and yeah. they're going to be like, yo, we need you to come DJ because you bring the people. Yeah, so everyone's going to step up to their A game in every or, aspect. if you don't, you're going to get left behind. Yeah, we were we were talking about it, and I mean, I brought it up to him too, um, that if you were in and you had your feet in the door, you're set. You're not set. But you're gonna be one of the top guys. Like, like if, if you didn't take it serious or you didn't have your roots in, like you're, it's gonna be way harder because these guys, like people like us, moved up. We yep. leveled up. Like, yep. We, we are those guys because you know we work at venues that are for sure opening again. You know, knock on wood, and and we have made the connections. We know the buster that's now the booker at this new venue and this and this and that. So like, I'm not too worried. I mean, I'm I'm still worried, but I'm not too worried because I know that. We, you know, even when things open up in June, I was I was working. Right. I was working a Sunday gig, you know, and, and things that opening that are going to open up again now are going to be, you know, it, it's it's 
if, if you have your routine and you've been working on it, especially right now on your craft too, and like if you've been smart about it too, we talk about like smart content. Like if you haven't been just pushing the same content from you in the club a year ago, no, like if you've yeah, been, yeah. you know, adapting. showing adapting, yep. showing that you're also a human being and like being rational and being uh, uh, um just connecting with people, you know, like just being normal instead of just like, oh, I can't wait to pop bottles. No, like, like people are in the biz see that and they're going to be like, you know what? Oh, Cass, he's been doing the streams where I see him post this shit all the time. Let me see if he wants to come and play over here or whatever. Like always and, and, and going to the recording thing, like for us DJs aligning it, like I used to, I do a lot of trick mixing and a lot of weird shit. So like I used to be like, oh, I'm going to save this for this. Now I'm just like, I do it everywhere. Yeah, and I do as much as I can. So I try to put as much content out of me as there is. So like, if you Google my name, you're gonna see a bunch of mixes, a bunch of videos, a bunch of shit. So like, it's out there. Yeah. Like, so virtual Kaz, exactly. Virtual Kaz, right? Kaz. So even when you're sleeping, virtual Kaz is working, working, working. For right. Yeah. And that's what you. That's what everyone's doing. But you know, the market will get oversaturated with that. You know, but there's a lot of people. So a lot of there's a lot of options to have people consume content. Like I know as a comedy writer, like I write scripts and write screenplays and stuff like that. All these you know, production companies and production houses haven't been able to make anything. So that's good for me because that means that they're going to be desiring new content moving forward. So that gives me hope that I can, you know, get something out there. But even then, you know, it's screenwriting is a difficult, difficult, you know, field. Comedy is a difficult field. Um, But as I told everyone, why the Miami comedy scene sucks is because we don't work together as a league. Like, if you had Kawhi Leonard uh, and he played in, you know, not the NBA, but, like, the ABA, like an offshoot league that was recreated, nobody would watch because you can't have a successful league with one star player. Every city needs to have their star player. So I always tell the comics, like, if I'm good and you're not, you hurt me. Because if I'm good and you're good, now we have a rivalry. Who's better? You know, I need a who's better than me to make people interested because if you're the only two DJs left doing it at a high level or doing these things, then people aren't as interested because they go, well, he's already number one. You always need someone coming for number one. You always need a league. You need a push. You need like a league of people to make something entertaining because if there's no competition, there's no point in watching. Yeah. So that's a big part of it too is making sure that like these comedians are ready for when things reopen because of their trash and I'm trying to book a show and I only have five comedians to work with, that hurts me because as a booker, as someone putting on a show. You can't take that risk right now. Yeah, like what am I, oh, I just get the same five comics every single time, every single show. That's going to hurt my customer base. You know, it's going to hurt me. I need 60 comics to choose from. I need 100 comics to choose from, you know. Um, so that's, that's a difficult part about Miami is that like, yes, when the good people are good, they leave. And when they leave, you're like, fuck, you know, I need that. I needed that person to still be here. I don't know if it's the same for DJing, but I know it's like, Mm. you know, comedy, like if there's a really good comic, like there was a comic named Rudy Wilson who crushed here, he moved to LA, you know, and then the scene sucked because people were using him as a headliner. They were like, yo, we got Rudy Wilson. We got Rudy Wilson, you know? And so if you don't have that, you know, the scene suffers. It's. I don't you know. have Casey Chops, you know, you guys. Uh, yeah, I mean, no, but Casey was on the radio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there's a lot. I mean, I'm saying like Mr. Mauricio. Right. You know. I was gonna say I was gonna say like Mauricio Irie and a lot different of different generations. A lot of those guys had to 
not necessarily leave, but start traveling yeah. and not play in Miami yep. as much, so that when they played in Miami, it was like a bigger, right, bigger. And deal. I think, I, and that's what I was gonna get at because for us, it was the other way around because we wanted more people, like, um, kind of like what I do. Like, I mean, there was guys that were traveling, and like I traveled in a different way, where like I had guys that I met online or whatever, and I would line up a whole run. So it's different people. And and me doing that was like oh like I haven't heard anybody from Miami like I went out and get it instead of building yeah and then I I worked at the back and forth I worked it to where like I was building my name in Miami doing this and at the same time I was going out and then people in Miami would see oh this guy's over here and then people from over there would be like oh this guy's from Miami and I and then they would start following me so then when I would go back to Miami they saw my name and where I was at and I would build keep building that from. And then the coastline comes in. So the city that I went to, that guy that hooked me up here hits me up. And he's like, yo, my boy's coming to Miami. Yep. Can you look out for him? So I would look out for them there. And his boy from another city is coming in. So I look out for that guy. And then, and then he'd be yeah, like, because yo. a community. A and co- a he'd big be community. like, yo, right. if you, whenever you want to come to City B, you know, I, I got you. I go to City B. And then I meet from somebody from City C. And then D, E. And then, you know, you work it. And that's how we worked it in the sense of when you leave – like people aren't happy but then you have to come back yeah like like for us like you have to come back and you have to come and like not show off but like but like like do what you have to do here to show the people over there yeah that's true that it's is, like it's, showing like it's kind of building your worth of like yo like like i don't really need you guys like i you know other cities want me just so you have that extra like yeah there's there's a there's a business side of that yeah, you know yeah that is a lot of Miami people don't necessarily understand that they have to like leave the city. Yeah. I mean, that's in general. And I think people, I always, always like bring this up. I think people in Miami are super spoiled to the sense, to the point where they don't appreciate it. So like, there's so many different people that are like, Oh, Miami, this, this, and this and that, especially for the arts and the music. And maybe that's why they say New York, this or LA that, because here, you know, like it's, 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 you have so many opportunities, you know, you have so many, um, um, angles and you know going back to what we said like you could you can make it your own you can make your own field here you know like it's open yeah and I think that's way better than having a saturated market you know and I talked to so many people who went to LA <clears throat> like on vacation over this pandemic or just been in LA in general and they're like come back and they go like LA is like no one likes talks to each other like nobody wants to help each other like nobody wants to work together like in that sense and they enjoy Miami more because yeah. it is a small knit community you know where people work together but this was you know dancers these weren't DJs um, I think DJs are a little bit different dancers are a little bit different um, but comedians you know I'm just hoping that after all this you know there are some left you know to do the craft well the good news is I'm gonna get into stand-up comedy so but there's, no, there's never been a D, <laughs> there's never been a dj there is there's, there's, there's never been a dj um event besides like the comedy shows in broward which tend to be more like african-american focused they'll have a dj like they'll do like a dj comedy does show the, does the dj like talk shit too like yeah like they'll have like the dj on like a they, they replicate def jam you know, but down here I haven't really like. There's never been a uh, someone who's done a comedy show where well, no, I'm it's talking like, straight comedy though. Oh, you're gonna do comedy yeah. with the DJ thing? No, I'm gonna be a stand-up comedian. Oh, you're gonna do stand-up comedy? Yeah, I'm gonna go open mic. I'm gonna grind it out. That's good. You should. I think everyone should. 
I think everyone should try it. I thought look, not I, everyone should do look, it. Look, everyone should try. I've thought it. about it. I've thought about it. I mean, because me and Zay, we've like I said, like he said, we've talked about this and like the similarities and yeah. And I thought about it too, but it's I don't know. I think I would, in my sense, it's like my kind of humor is like not story, but more of like reminiscing humor. Is is there a name for that? Like like childhood humor? Like oh, like yeah, you're you're telling a story about your childhood. I think we 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 have an advantage of like we came with that whole the the part of like the grind and like knowing certain etiquette and business and and who to talk to who relationships all that but then the hard part is being funny well stand-up comedy is um again just because you're funny in real life doesn't mean you're gonna be funny on stage because you have a select amount of time they tell you you have five minutes to do this and what happens is when people go on stage they tell a story they're four minutes into their act and they're still in the beginning part of their story. So it's like everything you want to say with stand-up comedy, you got to cut out the middle. The the, the game of comedy is trimming the fat, you know, what can I remove instead of what can I add in the beginning? It's always like, how can I get to this punchline the fastest? And comedy is a math game. You should really be trying to get a laugh every 20 seconds. If one minute goes by. Sounds like eternity. <laughs> I see what you did there. You know, and then, <laughs> and then, and then the joke comes. We were like, you know, they're like, this guy's not that funny. So you got to get like every 10 to 20 seconds, you got to be getting a chuckle. Yeah. So when you tell the story, you got to know that certain parts of the story. You like jokes within assistance, jokes. Yeah. Or your face. You know. You know, doing things with your face to make people laugh or, you know, how to use the microphone. So there's definitely technique. Like little build-ups, little like Where do I sign up for Aaron's Comedy Club? I'm taking all the Comedy Camp. I've been, I've been, my dream was to get like a, like a garage, like a pull-up garage. There's this business called the Hippie Haven. They're in Little Haiti. They have like this garage. I would love to have a garage. And during this pandemic, I was looking. But like usually in Miami, even in Little Haiti or whatever, Little River, it's like $25 a square foot. So like okay. it's usually like $2,000 a month for a thousand square foot space. That's a lot of money, you know, to put down just to have like, you know, have an extra a bullshit space. place. But um, but yeah, I would love to have like a place where, uh, you know, people can come do comedy like whenever they want or there's classes because I don't think you can teach comedy. And this was like my slogan. I can't teach you comedy, but I can give you a place to practice. Hey. You know what I mean? Like, because I can't tell you how to be, no one could tell you how to be funny. Gotta learn. You just gotta do it. It's like no one could tell you how to DJ. No one could be like, this is how you become a successful DJ. I say, no, okay, so. No, no, no. Talking about teaching DJing. You could teach technique, but you can't teach someone to become the biggest DJ in the world. I tell people this, okay, of course. I tell people this. You can teach the technical, I can teach you. How to match songs. Yep. You know, I can teach you how to, like, you know, the equivalent, I guess, would be how to speak. I can te- You can teach somebody how to speak, how, yep. To, yep. how to public speak, but I can't teach you to be, like, That creative flavor. Funny. Exactly. Right? That, like, yeah, that thing that makes you unique. Like, every DJ has the that it. thing that they like to do. Whatever it is that they like to do, do that, because that's going to make you stand out, you know, whatever it you is. You got to find that. Um, but, yeah, I wish I could have, a, like, a place. I wanted to open up a coffee shop called The Open Mic where it was like open 24 seven had coffee beer like bottles or whatever but there was always a stage and the mic was always on 
and you could always go nice. in there and go up and like do something and it was called the open mic That's would that be a, a cool idea. place let's do it because started my first stand up there my yeah. first open mic but i think that coming back out of this when things open up on the 31st like in the beginning i was super scared of covid you know because i didn't want to be the one to like get it i didn't want to be the one to like have it right. you know I was concerned with all that stuff and my parents work in the medical field. So they would get a lot of like emails that we weren't seeing that were saying like, I was like, if management is protecting themselves and they're telling the employees to not worry about it, you know, that makes me worry. Like I want to be on the side of the management. I don't want to be on the side of the employee. Um, But I think coming out of this, I'm going to try to start doing some open mics again into areas but the fortunate thing is for me is i have three microphones you know so i have the ability to change the microphone in between each section because there are people you know who's crushing the comedy game right now kava bars what's that kava that drink that you drink that makes your mouth numb um you know the kava bar yeah i've heard of you never had kava tea it's it's a tea right it's like a brown shit liquid it looks like diarrhea (laughs) in a cup but it makes like you know it makes your mouth numb. Doesn't it? Isn't there one that makes you like hallucinate? Yeah, it's like one that right. makes you hallucinate. You know, is but, there any here? Is there any? Kava yeah, yeah, yeah. In Winwood, there's a kava bar in Winwood. You know what? Yeah, this girl was telling me that she went to one and like she had like a bad trip. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I wouldn't. I've tasted it. It tastes like shit. It's like literally. it's like literally mud water. That's what it looks like. And I went to a place and I started like saying that on stage, and the guy who was like running the show was like, "Stop!" <laughs> I was like, "How are you guys drinking this shit?" Um, but Kava bars, for some reason, they're open. Like, I don't know if the city's not regulating them or whatever it is, or, but they've been killing the game. Like, Kava's essential. Shipwreckers is a Kava bar up in Fort Lauderdale. Some guy runs an open mic. But the point that I'm saying is, I haven't gone and done an open mic because think about this. You have 10 or 10 or 12 comedians performing, right? And each one of them is sharing the microphone, doing what I'm doing right now. If, uh, there's coronavirus all in this thing. If I have coronavirus, Sick. for sure, I'm like, you know, spitting on the microphone. And then you're like, and the next comedian is, and comedians rest the microphone on their chin and on their lower lip. Have you ever seen comics? Like, you know, it's always like, you know, like this right here. Like they're always like resting the mic like this. So everyone's just passing it. It's honestly more dangerous to be a comic and get coronavirus than it is to be in the audience because at least in the audience you're separated. But comic after comic sharing a microphone, I don't want to do that, you know. And now that this has happened, I used to, I think about it and I go, what a dirty microphone that I used to use. Like I think I'm gonna bring my own microphone like every time now. Everyone has a lavalier mic. No, already. you need the mic. You know what for the I was look. thinking? You know what I was thinking? I mean, I, I told you guys that like, yo, if whenever things open open like. Like, if it's a gig where I have to be on the mic, I told you guys I'm going to wear, like, the Lady Gaga welding mask. <laughs> and I'm going to get a little lapel mic. Boom. Mm. Dog. Just clip that shit on, and I'm going to, that's it. Walk around that's with gonna it. That's going to be the new. Walk in with it. You're going to be like the Daft Punk, but like a, like a hospital version. The new, the new, the new it for, like, DJs is going to be the little lapel mic with the fucking Lady Gaga welding mask. Or just uh, one of these booms attached to your hip, and you're just walking around with Bro. it. But the only way that I can, you know, do the shows, the open mics, is if I can actually like try to protect the comedians as much as possible. Right. So that means like changing the mic every yeah. comic, and then maybe like wiping it down with an alcohol wipe. Could be done. But you know, I'm like watching these comics, and they're all like, "Coronavirus isn't real." You know, I don't give a shit about this. They're all like talking to each other without masks on, like like really close. And I'm like, 
I get it that comics are cynics and, you know, we don't want to like believe the government and all that stuff, but I don't like that. And then when I go to these shows, like I hate when the host of a show is like, I've heard this a lot when I've gone to shows. Thank you guys for coming out. You're not fucking pussies who are scared of coronavirus. You know, you guys are like the real, like you're the guys are the real people. Like you're not like the rest of the fucking pussies that are at home, like scared of this virus. Give it up for yourselves for coming out tonight and not, and not letting the government and not letting the government keep you at home. And I go, but what about the 170,000 people who have died? Like, those are people's moms, dads, grandmas, grandpas, uncles, aunts. Like yeah. you're basically shitting I could on see, them. I could see, I could see certain DJs saying that, and like I've seen online, like, oh, what would you say? I would like going back to to staying away from reminding people yeah. negativity. Like that's my thing always. Like yo, stop. You cannot go outside and be like, even like saying political shit. I'm always like, I play like like the, I like the, the fuck Donald Trump song, but I'm not gonna be like on the mic like fuck this motherfucker because you know I don't fucking that doesn't portray to what what's going on right now. Like, no, you wanna you wanna take people out of their unhappiness. So like, why even bring that up? You know, exactly. It's, it's such a negative thing. Yeah, I hate it, and I literally been watching. I've gone to a couple comedy shows. Cause I wanted to do like some daily show segment where I mm. like went out with my camera. First time I went out, forgot the batteries. <laughs> Second time I went out, forgot the memory cards. I was like, I just can't get this right. You know, I just can't. But the next time I'm gonna get it. You know. But for now, they can find the virtual Aaron out there, right? Yeah, virtual Aaron. Aaron the speaker on everything. Even my, I got a PS4. Oh, that's right. You're that's streaming. That. I got a PS4, that, and I made that. my my gamer handle Aaron the speaker. And you know what? I'm up. I'm doing Rocket League like a motherfucker. What was that? Rocket League? The I'm game they play for you with the, with the cars and they had the ball. Like it's like soccer oh, but with cars. No way. And 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 then I was playing it the other day and it said uh you tiered up. T I E R tiered up like went up a level. Yeah. And I was like, I'm tearing it up, you know? <laughs> and then I it rang to me and I have I own 50 domains. Oh yeah, I remember, right. I remember. Like I'm a domain about I buy a lot of domains. I'm like a real estate agent for domains. Like I own every domain. It's a good game to get into. So, so I, I, I bought tearitup.com and I made my first shirt on Teespring. Teespring, right. And I'm going to start playing the games when I stream. I'm like, tear it up, baby. I'm tearing it up. And then when I lose, I'm going to go tear it down. Tear it down. Wow. Yeah, tear. That wasn't tier. taken? No, tear it up. I got to build it out. So it's owned, but I That's haven't a good built one it for out Call of Duty too, because there's tears. I taught myself how to build websites during this time too. Tear it up like this. Yeah. If you go to Miami Stand Up Comedy, you can see my website. And you also started a podcast, right? Yeah, I started three. State of Entertainment Miami, which I did 10 episodes um, and then never did it again. I did it in the very beginning of the pandemic. And then Wait, Miami was... stand-up comedy. Oh, I did a Miami stand-up. Yep. And I did 10 episodes. I did DJ Effect, Lucy Lopez from Power 96, um, Dale from the Miami Heat, the arena host, um, Juan Safara from the Clevelander. I like interviewed all these people asking them. And then I just never kept it going. This is you the know, other one, right? I should have. But I did Miami Stand Up Comedy, has a podcast. Aaron the Speaker has a podcast. And then State of Entertainment Miami. I did a podcast. I did like ten episodes for each one. And your Twitch, Aaron the Speaker. Aaron the Speaker. I got Aaron the Speaker on everything. Aaron the Speaker everywhere. Yeah, I gotta change this because I screwed that up, but I'm still learning. 
uh go to there should be a way to change but i think we'll end it on that note because we gotta we gotta stream stream. we gotta make some sort of well listen people if you're poor record yourself it's your only goddamn option and if you're rich then you don't have to it's 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 optional you know it's optional to record yourself because you don't need to be a slave to using your body for money but if you use your body for money only fans like we knew record yourself because you can multiply it's, yourself. Hey, Patreon. It's, it's, I got a Patreon too, Aaron the Speaker. Aaron the Speaker. Aaron Kaz on Patreon. <laughs> we got to get that my radio. We're poor. We're, <laughs> yeah, recording Record everything. Record we're everything. Doing, we're doing everything. On well, yo, thank you for joining us, Aaron. Yeah, bro, appreciate oh, you guys it. are great. And you know it. what? This is a great podcast, Ooh. and you guys work your ass off. Thank you, sir. You and, heard that? And the Twitch thing, the spin wheel, you know, you, you got it all. And <laughs> We're worry. trying, innovating. Don't worry, innovating. Got somewhere. And got some more stuff. I hope that this continues beyond the pandemic. I hope you don't stop this podcast because a podcast usually doesn't pay off until about three years in. Yeah, we're year and a half, so we're halfway there. So we just we're gonna keep doing. We it need some more sponsorships. I was really hoping for the pizza. No, that's next week. We got some food. Next coming. week we're doing a very special food. Um, Something's coming because I'm done with my 30 day yeah, weight loss challenge. Oh really? I can't tell you how many pounds. A 30 day 30 day challenge versus another DJ DJ conflict. I can't tell you how many so, pounds I've lost until next week, but oh, you don't look. No, I know. I just don't want that information out there. Oh okay. You know what I'm saying? Because the competition. We might yeah. even do a, a weigh in. A weigh in. Live weigh in. Naked. No. Yes, pause. you have to be naked. They pause. always do the guys naked. Twitch will kick us off. We're going to have our intern. No, no, no. You have to <laughs> hold the towel. towel. Yeah, 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 yeah. UFC style. Now that we have an intern, he's going to hold the towel. But what you should do is you'd have a towel and then like blur out the bottom by your ankle, even though your dick's not there, just to make it seem, <laughs> you know. <laughs> People will believe it. That's well, if you guys good. want to follow me, you can follow me on Aaron the Speaker on everything, AaronTheSpeaker.com, all the way through social media, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, all that stuff. And um, Miami stand-up comedy. I'm going to start putting on comedy shows. And hopefully you guys will be DJing at one of the shows. Or doing stand-up. Or doing stand-up. We're going to be doing both. We're, We're going to be both. an open mic. We're, I think that's a. I think we should still go for Taurus. So if you're on the lookout, yeah, I think yeah, we, can, we, we can still get that Taurus. We got to knock that off the should bucket have, list. Shout out to Bobby. Bobby. Bobby over at Taurus. He was in the... He was on the, on the fucking Walter Mercado. He was. He was, he was yeah, in the Walter Mercado. He was in the Walter Mercado documentary. Shout out to Bobby. Champagne Bobby. <laughs> But yo, it's MIA Radio. And we out. Peace.